there, are you still using stone tablets, spreadsheets, and whiteboards to manage your grants? Then consider GrantHub. It can help you track and organize all your funders, deadlines, applications, reports, and important grant documents in one easy-to-use system. Go to GrantHub.com for a free trial to see if GrantHub is a good fit. Or you can sign up for free monthly webinars on grant writing through their parent company, Foundant. We see you with your spreadsheets. We know reports are late. We know Grant Hub is really good, so just don't hesitate. Yeah, you better sign up. You better check it out. Go find what Grant Hub is all about. Thank you, Foundant Technologies. Go to GrantHub.com to check it out today. Well, hello there. I'm Kimberly Hayes Day Movement. And I'm Amanda Day. And you're listening to Season 4 of the Fundraising Heyday Podcast. We're doing more in Season 4 to help nonprofits, local governments, and the consultants who serve them raise more money and get more grants by sharing real-world experiences and interviews with experts in getting it done. You may hear a yell or two along the way mm-hmm. and singing and strange sound effects. That's right. And there, of course, is more of us to love in season four. And there has been all year long because we've got episodes dropping every other week. So let's get into it. Now, Kimberly, I don't know how it's possible, but we have made it to the final episode of season four. I feel like we should be singing. It's the final countdown. Oh, yes! Gosh, that was beautiful. Oh, I'm <laughs> sorry. For those of you whose ears are now bleeding, gosh, we're sorry. We love you. Um, we just, it, I, I wouldn't say time has flown, but time has passed. And I was uh, thinking for a while that time wasn't going to pass at all. That we were just stuck in some strange, scary, no time place. But we're out of that. And we're about to come to the end of the season. That's right. And as promised, we are wrapping this season with our Ask Me Anything session from the 2021 Grant Professionals Association Conference that was held in Seattle, Washington, the first week of November. That's November 2021, in case you have been living under a rock somewhere. And you know what? I don't even blame you. Uh, So we were at the conference and Lucy Morgan of My Fed Trainer and the Grant Talks podcast joined us virtually. And we fielded questions from the online audience and also from the folks who were physically in attendance on site um, at the hotel where the conference was being held. And it was Ask Me Anything about grants. So that's what happened. Yep. And I think I speak for Kimberly, Lucy, and myself when I say that we thoroughly enjoyed this session that we had. Um, We're excited to bring it to our podcast audience and hope that you love it too. It's a little longer than our normal episode, but the questions were all so good that we didn't want to cut any of them. So happy listening, friends. Mm This podcast is brought to you by Season 4 sponsor D.H. Leonard Consulting and Grant Writing Services. Don't let grants stress you out. Their team can help you with grant readiness and training, grant research, grant writing, mock review, as well as providing numerous DIY resources, guides, and templates. Did you know that with every Fundraising Heyday episode, we create a coordinating blog post on their website, dhleonardconsulting.com. Check it out today. 
Online, if you can't hear Kimberly, she's doing an altar call to bring up questions. Um, so while she's Kimberly's gathering questions, I'm going to go ahead and throw one out because we have several already in the chat box. Lucy, have you seen all these coming? Yes, I did. Um, we had some that actually came in before we even got started over. I don't know if you have those, Amanda, over on the uh, in the app about. Go for it. If you Probably don't have one. Let's see if you got one. Okay. All right. So the first one that I want to do from the chat is that we've got one that says, what is the best advice you would give to someone studying for their GPC? Um, so best advice for studying for the GPC. Um, honestly, I, I think looking at the competencies and skills, uh, if you don't know the GPC on the, their website, grantcredential.org, there's a lot of stuff going on on that website. Good stuff but they have the list of there's nine competencies, but not just those nine competencies. Under each competency, there is a list of anywhere from like five to maybe 20 very detailed skills that are things that they are going to be testing you on. So my advice when you're first starting out, go and look and figure out what are you good at? What do you already know? Where are your holes? That's how I studied. I didn't have a formal study process. I took it the very first time. So I kind of didn't know what I was doing. So I just kind of looked at that. And where I had gaps, I found other people that were doing that work. And I asked them about, hey, tell me more about this. So I, I learned from others. Obviously, there's a fabulous book written by Kimberly and a couple other authors that, of course, I'm going to have to shamelessly plug. And, and what is the name of that book, Amanda? Earn your GPC credential, said not Amanda. Earn your GPC credential. You can find it on G Amazon. Prepare for the GPC exam. It's blue, white cover. You'll love it. It's yes. Great. So those are some great ways. Also, if you, um, I, a lot of people have been very successful in study groups. So if you can find either locally some folks, or there have been a lot of online groups that have gotten created. So if you're on Grant Zone or LinkedIn, think about all the social media places. Just throw up there, hey, I'm looking for a study group, and find you some folks who are willing to walk through that. So. And I want to throw in, oh, no, no, while you, we're switching, I, I wanted to just throw in another tip too. Find the study method that works for you. Everyone has got a different style when it comes to successful studying for something like this, which is, you know, that's a pretty big deal. So find other people that are similar in their study patterns and it, you'll make the most efficient use of your study time. So we have got all kinds of questions up here now on this day. Um, I'd like to take this first one because I'm, I'm hoping you were making a little bit of a joke, but I'm going to answer it anyway. Do you need to be an extrovert to be a successful grant consultant or can competent people compete in this profession? <laughs> oh, anonymous question asker. As, as an introvert, sure. Um, but I do know a very lovely and talented extrovert, and we partner together on the podcast. So I know you're making a little joke. But um, I would say that if you are an introvert and competent, of course, you can make a successful living. It's just understanding how you work. It's understanding what you need to recharge and also understanding that the way you process information and your good listening skills are essential to become a good leader. So I wouldn't let it get you down, but you, y'all are, they're spicy today. The children are spicy. Amanda, what you got? You got a question you want to answer? Sure. Oh, you're oh. so efficient. Sure. 
Um, I like this one. What is the hardest thing about being a grant writer for you or in the grant profession? You want to start, Lucy? Because I bet all of our answers are a little different. What's the hardest thing? Yes. I think the hardest thing is that you're dealing with people. <laughs> it's not <laughs> as simple as following a bunch of rules because there's a lot more to it, right? We have to get people to believe us when we say things. We have to persuade people that it's important. We have to be open um, to various viewpoints. Um, we have to tackle boards that are less than engaged. And sometimes, you know, there's situations where people are less than ethical. So I think the hardest part um, I, I always think this is like bumper cars. You know, if you've ever driven the bumper car and you're like, boom, and then you back away and then you turn a little bit and then you boom into, you know, another car. Uh, dealing with people has always felt like that to me because you try an approach and, and if that doesn't, if that's successful and you get through the path, yay. But if it's not successful, you just have to step back and go, okay, let's try it again. Um, and just keep the, keep the goal in mind of what you're trying to accomplish. So I would say dealing with people is the real challenge for me. Well, mine is I work from home and have two children that show up at four o'clock every day and don't whether you want, whether to I want them to or not and aren't really mindful of oh mom's door is closed so my biggest thing is I'm I want to be the best at all the things I do and so trying to balance how do I give what my clients need so I'm helping them serve and do all the things but also being a good mom so for me that's working from home as a you know, a consultant is probably the hardest. It's great and has great benefits, but that balance for me can be hard some days. Yeah. I feel a three for, let me, okay, okay. I feel the need to just preach slightly about this too. Um, I would say for me, the hardest part about being a grant writer are all the things that don't involve writing. Because I was a reader from a super early age, basically lurking at public libraries with, with my mom's permission and perhaps relief for years and years. And so I got into grant writing because of the writing, but really the writing is maybe 20% of it. And so those at home, I cannot see, but there are many people in the room doing the nice, naughty, we feel you move. So that's a good thing. But I think the hard, that was the hardest part to understand that it's really building consensus, tracking down information, convincing people they need to get things to you on time figuring out what a match is and where is it and why don't you have it and how can we get it? Getting your board of directors to identify and fill out forms so that you can fill out the forms at the funder need. All of those things to me, that was the hardest part about writing grants, not actually the writing of the grants. Are there, are there some online questions? Well, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, I have a one here oh. that it, while Kimberly's up there that I thought this was right, uh, having to do with the things you didn't know when you started out. There's a question that says, how do you integrate social, social justice values into grant acquisition and management? And I thought that would be a, a good one to get started with. So how to integrate social justice and values into your grant acquisition and management. And I, I think maybe the unsaid word is uh, strategies or approach. I, I'm sort of thinking about that answer in two different ways. I would say the first is to make sure that you and your organization understand and have your definitions and understand how to put those into practice. I think a lot of that for me as, as a staff member and now as a consultant has really been a lot about listening, which getting back to the cheeky introvert question, how can, you know, from earlier, it's listening, 
to the people that you say you are serving and incorporating what they tell you they need into your grant strategy and having that drive, having the needs as expressed by the people or communities that you're serving, having that drive your grants versus that chasing money philosophy that tends to come up a lot um, in a lot of organizations because they're feeling the pressure. I, actually, I'm gonna stick with that because I feel like you both, the both of you may have other things to add and I don't wanna hog the mic, but I would say that the most important thing you can do is completely understand what those needs are. And then ask yourself, is, is you? Don't ask yourself that because you're gonna get points off for grammar. But ask yourself, are you or is your organization the best qualified to bring that forward? So I'll turn it over to Amanda. Well, I, I don't have anything to add to that one. Do you, Lucy? <laughs> I think that's a really good answer. Um, I always look at this when, you know, I'm looking at it, the question from the management side of it, right? So not necessarily the acquisition part or the groups that I'm working with uh, to, to get the funding, but after we get the funding, I think that there's a, a very important piece there to integrate what was the objective? Who are we trying to serve into the management function as well? And I think Kimberly hit the nail on the head that it involves listening. And, you know, you work with, we, we all work with very diverse groups and I, I think we lose something in supporting social justice values when we come in thinking we have all the answers and don't listen to not only what the needs are of different groups, but also just there's different styles and approaches to management besides maybe the one we learned in college uh, in you know management 101. So I think we have to be very open and listen to uh, different approaches to still meet the objectives. Hey, Lucy, there's one in Pathable I'm going to pitch to you. Okay. Because I've been reflecting a lot lately about these monumental and unprecedented federal funds being appropriated by CARES and ARPA and perhaps infrastructure and BBB in the future. Many of these funds will sunset in 2026. I know we all wish we had a crystal ball, but any thoughts on when these funds will dry up? What's the best way to build organizational capacity on a temporary basis? This is going to be a real challenge um, for groups because we want to build organizational capacity, but we also don't want to set ourselves up for failure from the standpoint of, geez, now we have to lay everybody off because the funding's gone. So if the funding focuses on distinct projects that end, I think that's a really good investment um, because you know that there's a, a natural sunset as the project ends. If you're tackling some of those bigger challenges that are going to be ongoing in your community, that's gonna be more problematic. So I would say, as you know, things are gonna sunset. Um, one of the things we have in Florida are floating docks. And what that means is that, you know, as the, as the tide goes up and down, the dock floats. And so what we want is we want to be able to step off from one dock onto another without having to, you know, like you see in those pictures in Maine, you know, with the big tides and people crawl up the ladder because it's so far from where they started. So the more things that you can start building those floating docks so that you can step off of one funding stream and into another funding stream, um, I think that is what's going to help bridge as we go out of this unprecedented spending. But let's face it, I mean, I, I never predicted that we would keep up with the, the um, American recovery and reinvestment levels for as long as we did. So um, I, I think we just have to build into our plan that this funding will sunset and what things are going to be distinct and end and what things 
Can we build capacity that we can see uh, carrying on into the future through either other funding sources, or we've spent money to become more efficient. We are using more technology tools, so we don't need as much infrastructure in the future. Thanks, Lucy. That was super well thought out, and I love your maritime analogy. <laughs> so I have another one. Oh, I'm, it's the camera. The, the camera, camera loves me. The it's camera fun. loves Amanda and is slightly <laughs> repelled by me. So I'm just going to stand here, and Amanda's going to stand behind me, and it's going to be kind of awkward, but I think it'll work out. So this is a big, juicy question. I'm going to tackle this, and then what we're going to do is probably try and send the question to just one of us, because the great news is that we've got so many questions, but the bad news is we just have less than an hour to get through them. So thank you also for making this sort of experimental presentation really go gangbusters rather than go off the rails, which could have been an option. So we appreciate that. So this question is, what is your advice about how to develop a grant strategy for your organization when the leadership frequently shifts program priorities? I chose this because no one in this room has ever experienced this before. Online people, they're chuckling behind their masks. I can see them. Um, for example, one program needs funding ASAP today, but tomorrow or two months from now, that program is no longer an organizational priority. So, so here's the deal. If it were me in this organization, I would want to step up and use my leadership skills. I just went to the Women in Leadership Skills Symposium. So I have all these uh, words to use to describe this, but basically it's an educate up moment and it's a big educate up moment. If priorities are shifting, that's the time that you as a grant professional can step in and educate and say, hey, by the way, the grant cycle, you could either, depending on your biological framework, you could either have a baby or write a grant sometimes, right? Because it takes about that long to hear back. Or you could participate somehow in the baby making. I'm not going to go there. It's none of my business. Moving on. But it's about the same amount of time. So sort of walking people through the process of this is how this happens. And if we shift priorities constantly, it's going to make us less competitive. I found, although I don't like to use those words anyway, I think it promotes a scarcity mentality. When I'm trying to build consensus, I will use the words that get me to where I think we ought to be. And if you are able to say things like, it will make us less competitive if we're constantly shifting focus because we're not able to get the outcomes that funders need to make us attractive for funding. If we're constantly shifting focus, we probably won't be in sync with those six to nine month grant cycles. Um, obviously with care, uh, with uh, COVID relief funding and its many iterations, that been a, that's been a lot uh, tighter. But I'm just talking about and regularly scheduled grant programming. So I would say that that's a moment to try your very best to get folks aligned around coming up with those funding priorities at the start of your fiscal year or when they are starting to get their budgeting process done for the overall agency or organization, which ideally should be before the start of the fiscal year, to sit down and think about those and talk about those. And again, tying it to what are the needs? What are we trying to do? Are we best qualified? What does that look like? And how much does that cost? And you as the grant professional can drive that. And if you're like, I can't do that, they're not gonna listen to me, simply blame the funder. I've done that for years. It's like, but that's what the funder wants. They want all this crazy stuff. Let's talk about this crazy stuff that funders want. 
if that will get you in the door and at the table to help drive those conversations, I would say that that's my best strategy. If you're in an untenable, unpleasant, and unsafe work environment, which just doesn't seem to be, it seems to be simply frustrating. Also, it's a sort of a big market for grant writers now. So I'm just saying you have some options, but if you love what you do and love where you work, I would start there with that in-house education that your expertise can bring to the table. Got another online one, Lucy, you wanna? Yeah, um, this is a little bit like, which of your children are your favorite? Um, it's the question is who is your favorite funding source or grant maker to work with? And maybe even just speak to some of the characteristics that make them the favorites to work with. Oh, I can go really quickly. I love the state of Georgia's uh, Department of uh, Natural Resources. But why, Amanda? Why? Particular, their entire staff is fabulous. They do trainings three months ahead of when the application opens. And they do trainings. They, they're all webinars. They do them multiple times. So you can get in live and do the Q&A. Um, they always pick up the phone. Um, and this is one of, the, one of my first lessons on building relationships. Back in the day, it used to be in-person sessions because, you know, this would be like 2004 timeframe. And the first time I went to one of these, I was like pregnant out to here with my firstborn. And the lady leading in Antoinette, you know, took pity on me, took a break. She's like, a feeling this lady might need to get up let's take a break so we start chatting and so then from then on whenever i'd call her her first question wasn't about the grant it was always like how's your son doing and she remembered you know and so we talked about our kids and then we'll talk about grants and but it's just i love their park people first of all park people you just gotta love park people um but i just love how ahead of time they do things everything's on their website they have all of their grants listed on the same page what a novel concept for a state agency to do so they're they're one of my i have a few other things but they immediately came to mind for me i'm freaking because it's gonna oh, and then it loved me oh. it's a pickle camera um i'll, I'll why don't i take this next okay one. this is um what can the average journeyman grant professional i know who you are who does not have a podcast, what can they do to advance equity in philanthropy? Well, first of all, yeah, thanks, because podcast. But um, I would say calling things out as you see them and using your research skills and your ability to problem solve and your ability to listen and not be to stop being afraid of speaking up or, and you don't have to speak. You can write, you can write articles, you can lead webinars, you can, um, maybe if you um, have a GPA chapter where you're a member, that can be um, uh, fodder for discussion. Um, the Georgia Grant Professionals Association, where I have been MIA for most of about three years now, um, they're doing great, great work and coming together as a work group and figuring out what can we do as a group, as the Georgia GPA, what funders can we meet with? How can we discuss this in equity? What can we do as a group to sort of do that grassroots advocacy, but do it under the um, guide of uh, sort of a group versus just one-on-one? -on -one. They meet monthly. They have a list of folks to go visit. And in 2022, I'm hoping they'll be kind enough to include me in that process. 
and um, I'd like to do my part to help out. But that's just one example. But again, the writing the articles, if you have a blog, if you're tweeting, if you're on Facebook, you can use, we could actually maybe use social media for something positive, just a thought that I'm having about that. Well, and I'd throw in there too, if you're like, I'd love to do that, but I can't jeopardize the funding that my agency gets, you can anonymously send that information to Boulay at Nonprofit AF. Oh, yes. And he will call them off on your, he won't mention you, but he will call them out. So if you know some folks who are not practicing, you know, equitable practices in the grant world, you can send him a private message. And grantadvisor.org, if you are getting private funding, you can go there and anonymously review their funding practices, their processes, and those kinds of things. And I have started going, not necessarily to leave reviews, but I'm going to look and see has anybody said anything about these orgs. And there's plenty of them that no one's no one's left a review yet. So but there are more than 2,000 that there are. So and it doesn't have to be a bad review, although it can I know be a good one too. We yeah. all like those, I think, secretly. But it could be something good and positive that you could lead to. You can set up, you can set up an account there, or you can go and leave an anonymous review. So again, using your voice in your local GPA chapter, writing articles, using social media, leaving reviews um, on grantadvisor.org. Those are all things that you can do where you are right now to start um, advocating for the change that needs to happen online or can we? So someone online has asked, other than SMART goals, what type of objectives would you suggest for successful federal grants? Um, Lucy and Kimberly, you may want to jump in here too, but I always try to think about, first of all, what can we actually do, right? Because I can think of some pretty impressive sounding objectives, but if we have, do not have the ability to actually meet those, I'm not going to put them in there. So I'm always looking for what is the work we can actually do? What is the change we can actually do? And it really is following, it, it is following the smart ones, but also just making sure we have the ability to measure it. And I think most funders interesting or left in my experience most of them are wanting to know that you can actually accomplish the work it's not like oh well they said they can help 20 percent, but they can only help 10 percent. so let's go with the 20 percent. i think they tend to look for what's realistic at least in the types of grants i've been working on and what's relevant yes right? relevant. And what matters you can measure a lot of things but you know doing the thing that matters getting back to what is the true need how do you know it's the true need what can you do to move the needle? Are you the right person or organization to move the needle and let that drive your objectives? Lucy, any Well, I'm gonna say I'm not a grant writer, That's but right. I, so I see it from the other side. And I think the point about making sure that it is something you can measure. Um, I've seen grants where people sign up to provide all kinds of data that they really have no way to provide or they shouldn't be providing like HIPAA data, um, which you can't provide. So. Um, First of all, make sure it's something you actually can do. Or if it's the number of kids, uh, you know, be, being served by an after-school program, is anybody actually tracking how many kids are being served by that after-school program? Um, and then the other thing that I want to suggest too, again, I'm not a grant writer, but that I have found to be helpful, and I, I don't have the URL in my head right now, but um, the federal government puts out really a, a guidebook for how to write performance objectives for federal funders. And I always like to have a little insight into the playbook of how they're determining what the objectives are to help me be uh, more in align with how I'm gonna write my objectives. And again, I don't remember that off the top of my head, but if you send an email to lmorgan at myfedtrainer.com, I'm happy to send you that URL. 
I've got one in uh, the room here. It says, how did you learn to complete a podcast, all the technology? Did it take away from the info about grants you wanted to communicate to us? Um, Lucy may be different. Honestly, Kimberly and I met over lunch one day and we're talking about how we hardly saw each other anymore because our lives were so busy. And I was kind of like, want to start a podcast? Um, and we literally just decided to do it and figured it out. Now, does it take away from other things with grants? Obviously, any time we're doing other things, we're not writing grants. And, I think it adds but, too. Yes, absolutely. But for us, it was the, like she said, we've been together, been doing this more than 40 years. It kind of gave us a renewed spark into the work we were doing. I know I did not spend a whole lot of time thinking about practices. I was just like churning out the grants. And so I appreciate the fact that doing that has helped open my eyes to some things and given me a voice to be able to talk about things that I otherwise wouldn't have talked about. As far as the tech, let's just say if Kimberly and I can figure out, anybody can do it. Um, and we are happy, if anybody's interested in that offline, we are happy to talk to you about how we did it and how it works, more than happy to share because uh, there needs to be more grant podcasts out there. We'd love to have more in this space. Lucy, Lucy was probably a little more organized than she, the two of us. She had everything. She wrote the book. She got, it, she got it. So I have the advantage of, of uh, being an analytical. And I just woke up one morning and said, I'm going to have a podcast. And I'll tell you, when I started doing training, I woke up one morning and I said, you know what? I'm going to become an e-learning specialist. Did I know anything about it? I did not. <laughs> But so what? There's never been a better time in the history of the world to start a business, to put out a podcast, because the technology is so much easier. I mean, I remember when I had to actually dial in with a phone to get an internet connection. So you just, you just take the time and you figure it out. And if it's not perfect, so what? It's the power of so what? Just do it, like Nike said. And each time you do it, you'll get a little better and you'll feel more comfortable. The first time is uh, for anything is uh, the first grant write you write is the hardest. Doesn't it get easier after that? Same thing with podcasts. Lucy, this may be a good one for you. This is more on the management side. It says, what do you do when you've said, hey, it's going to take four people, 20 hours a week for 10 weeks. But in actuality, it was two people for 40 hours a week for six weeks. What's more important, staying within the allotted cost, the hourly rate, the total hours, how do we handle it when things change? I was so hoping I would get this question because I was I actually had my, you know, my pen out and a piece of paper and I was calculating how many hours were really being spent uh, by this. So my takeaway from the finance side is I read this and went, okay, we had four people, 20 hours, 10 weeks. Uh, so we had budgeted, we had made an estimate that we would have 800 people hours to do this project. And when it was only two people for 40 hours for six weeks, instead what we're looking at is uh, under 500 hours. So the first question is, what's the most important thing staying within the, the cost, the hourly rate, the total hours? Um, I would say the most important thing is doing the work that you signed up for. So that's a, really the very most important thing. That being said, you now have a problem. And a, the problem is, is that it's taking you less time. Well, that's a good problem to have in some ways, but there's no prize for underspending on a federal grant. They want you to get the work done. They want you to use the money. They're not going to give you a prize because you return some of the money. So already you need to start thinking about, hey, if we can do it on, for less hours, what other good work could we do with this money that would enhance the project? Because we're going to have, we're going to be under budget in hours. Maybe there's more work we can do.
So I would say actually the cost is a very important, but it's under the object achieving the objectives of the award, which is the should be at the paramount of it. Lucy doing the Lord's work on those math calculations. Thank you. <coughs> and also, um, we're so excited that she could join us from Florida today because I wasn't doing the math in my head. Um, Amanda is going to, in just a couple minutes, she's going to mask up for, um, and go walk down the aisle and see if anyone has any questions. Um, we have several questions. We have more minutes, but we don't have to like stop for questions, right? Because we're doing them all right now. So she'll be happy to pick those up if you want to give her the high sign. And um, I'm going to keep um, the next question I would like for, this might be a, something for all three of us. Um, I'll start first and then I'd like Lucy to answer next if that's all right. And the question is, what's your must have tool when you are grant writing? And I, I think it is like choosing your favorite child. Um, I really dig using Grammarly because I'm a nice tight writer and I actually, while I despise character limits and that's another presentation for another day, um, I find it helpful in quickly getting me where I need to be to, to, to write tight and get it right and get the, the application out the door. Um, but I would say really the tool that I need the most I need is actually a, a sort of a, a, a multi-tool. I need like the, um, what do you call those? The Swiss army knives with all those little thingies. What I need is one of those only filled with all the information I need, like the budget that makes sense and objectives that we have all stacked hands on and demographic information from the organization that isn't crazy. Um, so what the, the most important thing that I need is the information. Um, Grammarly has been helpful for me. Um, I have used different tools to track time in the past, um, but I need a fast laptop with Grammarly and the most updated Microsoft Word, and I need people to leave me alone. That's not a tool. Maybe I'm acting like one, and maybe that was an inappropriate thing to say. Amanda, Lucy? So I, I, you stole my thunder there, Kimberly, because I was going to say Grammarly. Uh, oh. I am a, I'm a numbers person, as you saw from our last question. Uh, what do I spend most of my days now doing? I speak and I write. And I'm not a grant writer, but I spend a ton of time writing articles, uh, just everything, writing, writing all the time. And without Grammarly, I, I would not look, <laughs> it makes me look good because grammar is not my specialty. Um, so I, I love Grammarly. That's a great, great tool. The other thing uh, that I would say is add a tool of some, some kind every year, tackle a new tool every year. Um, otherwise, if you think about it, you have to do it all, it's too overwhelming. So my tool this year was to find a tool for, work for uh, workflow. And there's a lot of good ones out there. We selected ClickUp to try and start making it simpler to track all the multiple things we have to do in, a, in an organized format. I'm old school. My tried and true favorite, I like a good checklist because when you're putting together your grant application, like Kimberly says, there's some writing, but it's also, don't forget these 3000 attachments and someone has to sign here on the third page in Blue Week and all the craziness. So I, that's probably one of my favorite tools because otherwise I'm going to forget something um, as far as tech goes, 
Um, one of the things I've been started using, I've got a new client I work with that they use Trello as a means to track, uh, to share the workload. Um, and there's, you, you can have so many things for free on there. Um, then of course you have to upgrade, but it's something worth trying. If you've never tried it, um, you can have different people on the cards. You can attach documents, you can set deadlines and all kinds of, you can communicate with there. I think you can even leave a video if you want to like click on that and do that. Uh, one other thing I will say too, another tech tool I've been using lately um, with someone is a, uh, is a boxer. It's an app on your phone. You can, it, you can text through it, but you can also leave recorded messages. So I've got someone that we've been doing a lot of writing back and forth with. And sometimes I'm like, it's going to take me too long to send a text and who knows when they're going to look at their email. So I'll just, and I might leave a five minute message, but it's not like calling the phone and disrupting them when they have a break, they can check their boxer and listen to my message and then come back with, Hey, the answer is blah, 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 blah. Um, and so obviously not everybody's going to love that tool, but it's one I found. It's been very successful. It's Voxer for me. with a V. Voxer, V O X E R. So, um, this one I, I appreciate. Um, what is a pathway, or no, excuse me, what is a pithy way to explain to a civilian what a grant is in 10 words or less? <laughs> oh, you got uh, uh, no? No, <laughs> I will tell you. So for the past six years, I worked for Grant Writing USA. And my least favorite thing was when I'd get on the plane and my, my seatmate would say, oh, you're headed for work of pleasure. And I'd say, work. well, what do you do? Well, I teach people how to write grants. Oh my gosh, I need enter a new roof or pizza for the rest of my life. Or can I retire on a grant? I'm That's like, so funny funny working. Um, to me, the best, I mean, what I usually explain to folks is, you know how certain kids are eligible for scholarships and that will pay for their college, but it's not just free money to go to Cancun with. They actually have to go to college and maintain a certain GPA and you then all these things. Ten, over I'm over words. 10 words, yeah. 10 words are, it's probably not for you, sir. It's probably, <laughs> I don't know, a quick, quick way. I'm gonna just summarize. It's not free money and it's lots of rules. There you go. Bravo, Lucy. <laughs> Bravo. <clears throat> oh, 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 I love how you left this one up for me. Thank you so much. I'll answer it too. I got a doozy. <laughs> what was the worst mistake you ever made in grant writing? And what did you learn from the experience? Grammarly, the paid version. Um, <laughs> that's what I learned. I think the silliest thing, I'll go with the silliest thing. I think the worst thing, okay. The worst thing was um, misunderstanding a deadline. I thought it was at 5 p.m., but these sons of Satan that ran this foundation put it at noon. And it was, wait, was it Central Time and I'm on Eastern Time? Whichever way is worse, that's the way it was. It's my fault. It's my fault for not reading that and putting it down. It was my fault for assuming that. Um, that it would be a, the, the reasonable hour of close of business. That was my fault, but that was the worst feeling thing that um, I, I made it work, but I had to really disrupt some people's time to get them to leave meetings and review. And it wasn't a feel good moment. Um, that was probably the worst mistake. There was the time, then thank goodness someone caught it. This was before Grammarly came out. This is when I was writing about mobile food pantries for the um, Atlanta Community Food Bank where I used to work. And you may have heard the story before, but I wrote mobile food panties and I wrote it. 
I wrote it not once, not twice, four times. Now, the grant didn't go out because I was like, okay, I'm gonna still look at it tomorrow. Nobody's, I got this, I got this. I guess I was being cocky, right? And it could have gone out. It was a grant to Walmart. And while Walmart does sell panties, um, that was not the, the, the good look that I wanted for our organization. And um, ever since then, I've just been really diligent about my deadlines and a lot less cocky about, oh, I've got this. No one needs to prove this because I've got this. I've got like the trifecta. And this just happened like three months ago. So I should know better. I do know better. But I did all the things that I, the opposite of what I tell people to do when I do trainings, right? So same client had multiple deadlines going out. Um, the first thing that happened to me is we had an LOI 8,000 times on their website, they announced you could not email it, it had to be hand delivered. It's downtown Atlanta, that's like an hour drive for me with traffic, I was busy. So I went to UPS, I had like three days, but I, I paid extra to have it overnighted. And then I just assumed that UPS was going to deliver it, not thinking about, oh yeah, COVID and mail, um, it arrived late. And now I, I had to beg that funder because the way they work, they accept LOIs every quarter. But if you submit and that you're denied, you have to wait a whole year to apply again. So they were gonna deny us because we were late rather than hang on to it for the next quarter. So that took a lot of begging on my part to make my, my client hopefully only wait one quarter rather than a whole year to be considered for funding. Um, so that happens. Everybody, if you'll please mute yourself, that is online. Thank you. Um, later that week, um, I did the whole kind of the deadline thing. I had in my mind it was Friday and Thursday afternoon. I was literally, I had it all in there and I was about to log off to, I was like fresh eyes in the morning. I'll do one final review. I don't know why I thought, you know what? Let me just go ahead and knock this out. And as I was reviewing, got to the very end, saw the deadline was that night. So came this close to missing the deadline. Um, so my lesson there was pay attention to my whiteboard that has all the dates listed and not think I know what I'm doing in my head. And then the third thing was I had another online submission that had multiple attachments that had to be attached, one of which was in their audit. I've got my folder with all their attachments that we attach all the time. I grabbed it, I attached it, I uploaded it, I hit submit. And after I hit submit, I was like, I didn't double check to make sure I attached the right thing. Yeah, I attached the annual report, not the audit. So I immediately called the funder to see if they can release, because I've hit submit now, I can't do any changes, but there's an hour till the deadline. Um, and thankfully, after calling and calling and then telling me, everybody's working from home, there's no one I can transfer you to, someone finally called me back and was able to open the portal. Um, so it, the biggest lesson for me there is, don't wait till the last minute, which is what I had done for all the things. But in my head, I was like, I got this. I write grants every day. I know I'll get all this knocked out. And the reality is we're all human. We all make mistakes. And so I just have backed up, had a nice frank conversation with my clients about basically my apologies. Here's the things I'm doing to make sure we never have a close call again. And thankfully, I've been working with them a while and they like me. And we're okay because everything got fixed. I have a feeling if I had messed up three applications in one week, I'd be finding a new client. Fair. And it's not something like I almost for the longest for a while, I, I wrote an article about this actually recently. At first I wasn't going to share because I'm like, how mortifying and embarrassing. But the reality is we all do these things. We all have those weeks and moments where we make mistakes because again, we're only human. And so I just, I was like, you know what? I need to give myself some grace. 
and I need to give everybody else some understanding that you're not alone. So it happens. Lucy, got a question for you. All right. What's the biggest challenge you face in navigating federal grant funding? Most of my challenges uh, that, that people share with me are some version of how do I get fill in the blank to do something? In other words, how do I get people to do something? How do I get my boss to take this seriously? How do I get uh, our board to quit talking about our project and the fact that they have to have a conflict of interest policy? You know, it's, it's always how do I get fill in the blank to do something? Um, and so that, again, that goes back to some of my biggest challenges is, is we're dealing with people is to promote how to develop relationships and then bend people to your will. You know, it's like you have to go talk to the program folks. If you're in the finance department, if you're in the program, you need to go talk to the finance department and, and get them to be your friends and, and figure out ways to to uh, have the best outcome for your grants. So I think I think really just getting back to the fact that. Um, the rules to me, if you, from my perspective, if you read the rules, they pretty much do tell you what to do um, for the most part, but you have to get people to be able to interpret things. Um, the second one that I'm just gonna throw out there because of all the stimulus money that's flowing with the CARES Act and ARPA and everything else is I would say the biggest, what I would consider temporary challenge that we have with that funding is there's so much ambiguity in what people are supposed to do with it. And a lot of what they're being instructed to do runs completely counter to things that foundational concepts that we've taught in the uniform guidance for years about things like supplanting. Um, and all of a sudden there people are being instructed to do things that gosh darn sure sound an awful lot like supplanting to me. So I think there's going to be a temporary challenge as the dust settles from all of this amazing amount of spending. Um, and people are going to realize that all of a sudden the rules really still apply. You know, gravity didn't go away during all of the stimulus funding. So we're still going to be stuck with auditors who are going to make us follow the rules, even though we might have gotten some vague instructions about just spend it, just spend it fast. So we're about five minutes before close here, and we, we're going to keep going. But I just wanted to take a minute to say two things. Thanks to everyone in the room for going along on this little journey and this new and different way of doing presentations. And thanks to everyone online who's had to watch Amanda and I make funny faces. And, <laughs> and, and thanks to Lucy and everyone. But also, I just wanted to say personally, um, this is only my second live presentation since January of 2020. And thank you for making it a really soft and gentle and fun re-entry so I really appreciate it so now I okay I just want to direct you to pathable when you have a moment in case you don't have it pulled up now someone had a similar experience to mobile uh, food panties only it was with the word public and that's all I'm going to say you'll find the full details available well, if they're not on here they can't see it the l was left out and um so i just check kindly just, offered hair at the end of it for them and that's how she submitted it so that's all we're going to say in the yeah. interest of not being censored by anyone who might be <clears throat> listening to this <laughs> or any the powers that be um so are there lucy um i have a couple more i have two more questions here were there any questions that you saw online that you wanted to answer right quick 
Uh, I think the ones that I'm seeing online, I believe we had some good, interesting stories online, um, <laughs> but and some other contributions to uh, our knowledge base. But I believe we have captured the questions. Uh, I do want to just throw out if there's some question that you have that either we somehow missed or that comes to you at two in the morning, please don't call me, but feel free to email me, L Morgan at MyFedTrainer, and you'll see my email address up on the screen as well. Um, love to have those questions. It's a learning experience for me too, and I love to hear what people are really dealing with out there in the real world. So Lucy, we have a couple more written questions here. I'll, I'll get to the first one, and um, we'll see if we have time for the, for the second one. A major international organization has started competing against us for grants. This is like one of those letters to the editor, but I'm gonna keep going. They are very actively engaging senators and congressional representatives. They even hired a beautiful and famous spokesperson. Does, legis does legislative advocacy help with federal grants? Do we need a spokesperson? Are the hosts of fundraising heyday available? Okay, I'm holding up my, my little barricade. This is my danger, danger, danger barricade. Uh, I want you to go out to the uniform guidance to CFR part 200 and search on the word lobbying. Oh. And then I'm going to also say there is a real world, but in the, the world that we like to live in here, you know, with the unicorns, uh, that sounds an awful lot like lobbying or public relations activities that would be unallowable. So if they have a source where they're paying for all this with isn't, with isn't federal dollars, just find your niche and compete on that. Don't try to be somebody else. Maybe they have more money, but compete on what you do really well. Yeah, lobbying is okay as long as you're not using federal grant money to lobby. Otherwise, and I will tell you, I did some prospect research for a large hospital in the Atlanta area. And one of the things that was really frustrating for me was this, this hospital is in a, it's not a rural community, but it's, it's a community that needs a lot of help and they really need a lot of mental health care. They need a lot of free clinics. And I kept finding grant funding for free clinics and mental health care, but a lot of it was going overseas. And so the CEO of the hospital, when I told her that, she was like, can you give me that list? I'm calling senators. Cause I'm like, if you can help fund all that over there you need to be making sure we're funding it in the US first. So that may be an option if you, and she's someone who knows the right people she could do so much better than I could cause I don't know those right people to call. Um, so that may be one of the ways to combat something like this is figuring out who has the ear of the folks that are making those ultimate decisions. And I'm gonna throw in one other, just one other thing along with that is, Kimberly mentioned a scarcity mentality. Fiscal year 2021 federal grants over $1.4 trillion. There's money to solve problems. Maybe it's not the problem that somebody with the, you know, the beautiful spokesperson talking to senators is solving, but there's some problem out there you can solve. There's money to solve problems. Well, the last question we had from the room is how did you get into grants? And I think most of us fell into it through no fault of our own. I was an admin assistant to a city manager. And one day he was like, we need a grant writer. And I was like, good, good idea, boss. And he's like, great, congrats, you're it. So um, Kimberly, you saw there was a need where you were working and- Yeah, I was at a um, pediatric hospital and I um, was started out after doing some master's in public health work at Emory. I started out in um, doing research and evaluation and community education and then got more involved with finding out how to pay for community education, which involved grants. And since it was a large institution, I was able to sort of segue into their foundation and go from there. 
and it also made a lot of sense to me at the time because I didn't know what I didn't know about um, using my writing ability in a way that could um, make the world a better place in all seriousness. That's what drew me to it. Of course, as we know, that's really not what it's all about. And Lucy? Um, I would say I did not want my life to be defined by Excel spreadsheets. Uh, which is where I was at in corporate world. And I wanted to make a bigger difference in the world um, than I was felt I was going to be able to make in corporate America. Nice. Well, we're at the top of the hour. So again, just want to uh, echo Kimberly's sentiments that we're so glad you were here. We, we came prepared with our own questions. We were afraid folks would be quiet. We should have known better with grant writers in the room. So thanks for joining us online and in person. And there's all of our contact information. If you had one that you were like, I didn't want to ask, you can always email us. So for a friend, I am asking, and we're happy to help no you No judgment. Out. Judgment at free zone. Yep. And the um, fifth season of Fundraising Heyday starts in January, but we have two more episodes to go. And there you have it. The results of the 2021 GPA Conference Ask Me Anything session with our podcasting friend, Lucy Morgan. I'm anxious to get feedback from the session because I'm hoping it will warrant us doing it again in 2022 because it was a lot of fun. Mm -hmm. I was surprised by some of the questions, but I love the wide variety. Agreed. And now it's time to conduct our final wrap-up <laughs> for season four. <laughs> Thanks for listening. We wouldn't do it without you because we couldn't do it without you. Leave a review of Fundraising Heyday on Apple Podcasts to help spread the word. We are so honored you chose to spend time with us, and we'd love for this podcast to be part of your professional development lineup. Thank you again to our Season 4 sponsor, D.H. Leonard Consulting and Grant Writing Services. We appreciate their support in making grants less stressful. Visit their website, dhleonardconsulting.com to download their latest free resources today. Thanks again for joining us throughout the season. We appreciate your time and support. That's all for season four, but season five kicks off on January 6th boom. with episodes dropping every other week throughout 2022. Boom, boom, boom. Just like that. And boy, do we have a great lineup scheduled for you next year. In the meantime, we hope you have an enjoyable holiday season and a fantastic kickoff to the new year. Remember, you can keep up with us on Twitter at Funding Heyday or through the Fundraising Heyday community on Facebook. Thanks so much for joining us. We'll see you soon. Bye. Bye now. Mm -hmm.